I want you to imagine something real fast. Imagine that you had a family member that had a crippling, severe addiction. Something serious. I'm talking like like heroin, um, uh, meth, uh, stuff like that. They're they're living hand to mouth. Uh, Maybe they're homeless, living on the street, you know, in destitute, uh, doing terrible things to get their fix. Uh, I mean, just just a wreck, right? So imagine that you could give something to your family member that within six hours could completely cure them of their addiction and set them on the right path for life. Would you do it? Personally, I think that's a silly question. I think that anyone would do that. If you could cure your family member in six hours and set them on the right path for life, you would be cruel, uh, almost borderline evil, to withhold something like that from your loved one. Now, let's, let's think of another scenario here. Let's say that you had someone else in your family who is dying of a terminal illness. Let's say that they have, uh, I don't know, two months to live, and they are depressed. I think uh, most people, if, if they're not lying to you or themselves, would admit that death is a scary thing, especially when someone swoops in and says, you know, hey, you have stage four pancreatic cancer and you have two months to live. If you don't get depressed, you're Superman. There are some people who don't get depressed in the face of something like that, but uh, I think most people do, and some people like like really bad. So again, what if you could give something to your family member who is just riddled with depression over having two months to live? What if you could give them something that within six hours would completely change their outlook on death and they would be at peace. And they would greet that remaining two months of their life with happiness, joy, love. Again, I think anyone in their right mind would say yes to that. So you have these two people in your family. You have the severe addict, and you have the person who is terminally ill is going to die in two months. You can help them. They will be fine in six hours. And by the way, for some of you listening to this, you, you for real have someone in your family like this or, or a, a dear friend uh, that that's either has a, a crippling addiction or is dying and depressed. Maybe they're the same person even. So for those folks, I mean, for sure you would say yes, right? Well, get ready to say no. What if this thing that you can give your family members to help them, to cure them? What if it's a class one controlled substance? An illegal drug, essentially. What then? What do you say? I mean, in the case of the addict, you're, you're replacing one drug with another, right? That's not cool. But what if it cures them of their addiction? Furthermore, what if it cures them of addiction, period? Not just that addiction, but the addictive mindset, it cures them for good and then sets them on a good and righteous path for the rest of their life. What do you say? Do you say yes or no? I got to tell you, I mean, I'm very lucky in my family that I don't have a situation like this where um, there's someone like homeless or something or almost homeless or 
uh, all that stuff I mentioned earlier about, you know, just living a miserable life of, of crippling addiction. But I'll tell you one thing, if I had someone in my family like that, like if it was like my brother or something, you bet your ass that I am going to give my brother the help that he needs. Now, it's a completely different story if, if this thing that I'm going to give my brother that's supposed to cure him also has like some very dangerous side effects, right? Like, I mean, if you give him this thing and it has the potential to scramble his brain and make him like mentally handicapped for the rest of his life or something like that, then that's a non-starter, right? But if there isn't anything like that, like no side effects, again, you bet your ass that I am going to give my brother the help that he needs, period. Okay, so by now, a lot of you are no doubt thinking to yourselves, okay, enough with the what ifs. Like, let's talk about real life tangible stuff here. The question becomes, does something like what I just mentioned, something that can, that, that, that's essentially a cure-all and a quick cure-all with basically nothing but good side effects, like something that, that steers you in the right direction for the rest of your life, does something like this even exist? Because if it doesn't, conversation over right now. Well, turns out, y'all, that something like that does exist. There is something that you can give someone that can cure them of any number of afflictions that, that torment them. I mean, we're talking not only addiction and depression, but we're also talking PTSD. I mean, y'all, there are droves of traumatized veterans out there who have seen some really, really messed up stuff in, in, in war, y'all, that they have changed their lives and y'all, those those veterans that I that I just mentioned, I mean, that's that's some of the most extreme. I mean, th- again, the stuff that they've seen, the stuff that they've taken part in themselves, uh, it's it's the extreme of extremes. And and then likely they are uh, they have an addiction on top of that to cope with what they went through in war. Okay, so it's kind of like a double double whammy. But regardless of of the extremities, there uh, whatever your problem is, whatever it is, y'all. There is something that you can take that will zap it in six hours. I mean, cured for life in six hours? I mean, y'all, even if there's uh, decades of, of addictive behavior here, I mean, you could, you could be 20, 30 years in on a severe addiction, and you're cured and set in a straight and narrow path for life. In six hours. Six hours. So what is this magical thing that I'm talking about? Well, it's funny that I said the word magical because what I'm talking about is is basically magic. <laughs> magic mushrooms. Okay? There's a reason they call them magic mushrooms. But not just mushrooms. I'm talking... Uh, any of the, any of the intense psychedelics, uh, you, you got, you got, you know, uh, psilocybin, you know, that's mushrooms. You have ayahuasca, which is coming on big right now. I think there's a, the five MEO DMT. Um, and then, uh, then you got Ibogaine and stuff like that. So really whichever of those, uh, that you pick there, it has incredible, like damn near instantaneous. I mean, cause we're talking, um, uh, uh, like a six hour session versus a 30 year addiction, right? So that's, that's damn near instantaneous. Okay. It, it has an instantaneous 
holistic cure-all kind of capability. And it is one of the biggest things in modern day psychiatry. Now that the stigma of like hippies and all that other stuff that usually surrounds, um, you know, the thoughts about uh, psychedelics, right? Now that that is kind of like subsided, right? Psychiatry is starting to pay really close attention because the numbers don't lie. And PhD, you know, psychiatrists and psychologists are talking about it. Here's an example. Dr. Roland Griffith. And this was just when he was embarking on his experiments with psilocybin. Which so what you're listening to here is an absolutely brilliant uh, PhD psychologist. Uh, I think a lot of you will recognize his voice. I had Timothy Leary's old job at Harvard. And he is in a lecture hall giving a lecture on the efficacy of psychedelic usage for therapeutic purposes. And this was just when he was embarking on his experiments with psilocybin, which were the first experiments on hallucinogens that were permitted by the National Institute of Mental Health in some three, four decades. Now, he's going to use the word psilocybin a lot. Okay, now, um, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically the molecule that's in magic mushrooms that makes someone have a psychedelic mystical experience. A single psilocybin trip, 85% success in smoking cessation with a single dose. Now, that is mind-boggling. So here he's talking specifically about a focused clinical trial that was targeting nicotine addiction, smoking, basically. Uh, But there are countless, countless people, y'all, with all kinds of, any number of of really intense, severe addiction. I mean, we're talking heroin here, y'all, that have been cured by ayahuasca. Ibogaine, magic mushrooms, you go down the list. I implore you to do your research. There are beautiful stories out there. But, of course, as I mentioned, it's not just about curing addiction. It's also about curing depression and PTSD and so on. In this experiment, he gave psilocybin to people who were dying of cancer. The effects of psilocybin were studied in 51 cancer patients with life-threatening diagnoses and symptoms of depression and or anxiety. This is a randomized double-blind crossover trial, very carefully designed clinical investigation. High-dose psilocybin produced large decreases in clinician and self-related measures of depressed mood and anxiety, along with increases in quality of life, life meaning and optimism, and decreases in death anxiety. Now, it's easy to get lost in the scientific you know, and clinical jargon there and kind of lose the meaning of what he said. But here's something to put it into perspective for you. Let's say that you are the relative of one of these people who are dying of cancer and depressed, you know, completely hopeless and miserable. And every time you see them, it breaks your heart. And you want to to show them that there's hope and that it's okay, but they just, you can't do it. And these people are given psilocybin, magic mushrooms, you know, a psychedelic. And it makes them okay with dying. It gives them peace and hope. It's to me that that is that is awesome. I mean, think of it like this. I mean, death is the ultimate end to our earthly life, right? There is no better gift, in my opinion, that that we know on this planet in our earthly life than than to have peace with death. To me, it's it's arguably the most beautiful thing imaginable. Yeah, okay, so fine. So this stuff is amazing when you take it, you know, you you have this amazing experience and your and your life has changed, you know, great. 
Well, I mean, how many times have uh, we all gotten like drunk and are convinced when we're drunk that we're going to change our lives? And then when we wake up the next morning, nothing has changed, right? I guess what I'm getting here is what are the long-term lasting effects? Like that's the true test, right? Well, that is the most amazing thing about psychedelics. At six-month follow-up, these changes were sustained with about 80% of participants continuing to show clinically significant decreases in depressed mood and anxiety. Stephen Ross, commenting about this, he was a co-investigator, said, it is simply unprecedented in psychiatry that a single dose of a medicine produces these kinds of dramatic and enduring results. Y'all, there is nothing in psychiatry or psychology that even comes close to the long-term lasting effects of psychedelics after one freaking dose nothing. And the crazy thing is, y'all, the majority, the overwhelming majority of the people that were involved in this experiment, whether you're curing, you know, uh, your nicotine addiction or uh, your depression, they all listed this experience, taking psychedelics, psilocybin, as one of the most, if not the most amazing, profound, life-changing experiences that they've ever had in their entire life. About 80% of the people who undergo the Johns Hopkins experiments report that the experience is like one of the two or more, three most important things they've ever, that, that's ever, ever happened to them. And so, well, that's, that's something, you know, it's like... And something that's even more amazing than that is that an overwhelming majority of them thought that their experience was real. And then there's this guy named Rick Strassman down at, I think he was at the University of Texas, and he did experimentation with DMT. He basically quit doing it because he was a pretty straight scientist, you know. He was measuring heart rate and pulse and all that sort of thing, trying to look at the physiology. And then the people he was giving these chemicals to kept coming back and telling him these, these crazy stories. And, uh, well, it just, it was too much for him, you know, and no wonder, you know. Because they all said the same thing, and he'd say, well, that was a dream. And they'd say, no, and it was the most real thing that ever happened to me. And he'd say, well, you know, it's an archetypal experience. And they'd say, no, 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 that was no archetypal experience. I went somewhere else, and I saw things, and I'm back, and, like, I don't care what you think. And when you really think about it, it has to be real. Otherwise, it loses its, its meaning for, for the individual. Like, if you went through an experience that was amazing, and you can just chalk it up as not being real then it loses its impact. I mean, it, it, it has to be real for you in order for it to change your life. So why am I so passionate about this subject matter? Why am I taking precious time out of my day to, to do a podcast to convey all this information to you? Well, the answer is quite simple. I have personal experience with psychedelics changing my life for the better. Y'all, it, it, it has changed me to my core for the better. And, and honestly, uh, I wouldn't be likely alive and talking to you right now over this microphone if it wasn't for psychedelics. When I say it has changed my life, you had better believe me. And, and before we take another step forward, I just for, for those of you who are still holding on to those uh, stigmas of psychedelics as, you know, like uh, hippies and the Beatles and stuff like that, and, and just, you know, people going to raves and tripping out and stuff like that. Just flush your mind of that. I implore you and urge you to approach this whole concept as people who need help that are getting help. People that are in a self-made hell 
that are trying to find a way out. And the good news is there is a way out. Y'all, over the course of the next, uh, I don't know how many episodes are going to be in this season, I think something like 16 or something like that. There's a lot of listening you have ahead of you here. But over the course of the next, you know, umpteen, I hate that word, but I'm going to use it anyway, (laughs) umpteen episodes, you're going to hear my story of my progression from complete depression and nihilism and compulsion. And I had an, an addiction of my own that was crippling me silently. But you will hear the story, my story of my journey from the depths of that back to health and happiness, and joy, and hope. And y'all, the things that I experienced, the things that I saw, it was, uh, I can't put into words, I mean, I am going to put into words, actually, because, uh, you know, I have a ton of episodes about this stuff, uh, but I, I can't express it in one sentence right now to convey to you how amazing the stuff I saw was. I mean, amazing, and terrifying, and, uh, Guys, it was unbelievable. You'll hear it. You will hear it all. I am not going to hold anything back. But, uh, you know, just to run down the list a little here on some of the stuff that I did see. I'm sure that a lot of you have been kind of like thumbing through YouTube or listening to podcasts or something like that. And people have talked about uh, DMT experiences or ayahuasca experiences. Um, there's a really famous one now of Megan Fox, right? So Megan Fox did an ayahuasca retreat, but, but she famously did an ayahuasca retreat where she went to hell for eternity. And, you know, I think a lot of people find stuff like that fascinating, right? It's like, well, what was hell like for her? Uh, and what does she mean by eternity and, and that kind of stuff? Well, uh, I can tell you that uh, I've had very similar experiences. Uh, I've been to what I would call hell about four times over my experiences, and I have incredibly detailed accounts of that in the podcast. So if you so if you were here for the whiz bang like action packed you know guts and gore, <laughs> well, uh, uh, boy, do I have a treat for you, okay? But, you know, there are other people, you know, the people that are in in it for the right reasons that are more interested about the the healing component of this. I mean, being sent down into hell is 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 amazing. Right. Uh, Except for the person that's going through it. Um, It's amazing. You know, people want to hear that stuff. It's, It's really interesting. Right. But I think equally interesting for people is hearing the the mystical side of it, the beautiful side of it, like there has to be something profoundly beautiful that happens to people. Otherwise, what are we talking about here, right? Well, trust me when I say that I'm going to go into a lot of detail about that too. So if you're in here for that, boy, do I got a treat for you too. So, and and let me just make something clear here. Um, Even though you are going to hear horrible, terrible, ghastly things about some of my hellish experiences... I will tell you that I actually cherish those experiences maybe even a little more than the positive experiences. And and the reason why I say that is because there's a lesson at the end of each of those hellish experiences that turned it all around for me, that slapped me in the face harder than a positive experience. 
I'm, a, I'm actually a firm believer in that, you know, negative experiences trump positive experiences. I mean, the, an example of that would be, you know, uh, ancient hunter-gatherers, right? So, you're, just imagine that you're out picking wild blueberries or something, right? And you're with your family and it's a, this lovey, you know, so sweet moment. Maybe you give your, uh, your, your uh, wife or whatever a little wink and, and you have this beautiful moment. And then a saber-toothed tiger leaps out and starts chasing you. Are you going to revel in that uh, beautiful wink moment that you had with your wife? Or are you going to run for your life? The answer is you're going to run for your life. Negative experiences trump positive experiences. Sometimes we need to have a shock to our system and be slapped around a little bit for something to sink home. That is what happened to me on multiple occasions in incredibly hellish ways. That's what happened to me. And you're going to hear it all. Every juicy little detail. And, and the way I tell um, my, my stories over this media uh, podcast, you know, vehicle, if you want to call it that, I, I'm not simply content with me just recounting it, like talking like I am now. In fact, this kind of episode that you're hearing right now where it's just me talking, uh, th that's going to be one of very few episodes of its kind. The, the, the trip episodes, the one where I'm actually recounting my experiences on ayahuasca or, or mushrooms, they're going to be very movie-like. Uh, for anyone out there who listens to a podcast called Radiolab, it's going to be very Radiolab-esque where I weave in music and sound effects. Um, and then for those of who, you who don't know what Radiolab is, just think of like, I don't know, like a Martin Scorsese movie where there's a lot of integration of music and sound effects and stuff like that. Um, here's a few examples of what I'm talking about from my podcast. And not only did it enter me, it entered my brain. And I could see the distinct moment when it did. That everything looked like it was on fire. She was crying black blood out of her eyes. And then it would morph back into a beer can, and then it would turn back into a painting, and then a, a cartoon, and then... And it reminded me very much of like... The only way I can describe it is like a, a mother laying down with her newborn child, like infant, and, and just laying down with them and like caressing it and touching it for the first time. Like you gotta be very delicate. So as you can see, it, I'm trying to convey through sound what it felt like in the moment. And I think I do a pretty good job of doing that. So the, the idea is I want you to like kind of close your eyes and just imagine yourself in my situation and what I'm seeing and experiencing. So that is what the trip episodes will be like. It's going to be very immersive. I want to throw you in there with me. And I think I do a pretty good job of doing that. But there's going to be other uh, episodes that are kind of uh, almost fillers between the trip experiences um, where I'm either giving you a backstory of uh, like the, the, the trip that's about to happen. What I found is um, back when I first started this podcast is I would put all of the backstory in there and then, you know, put the actual real story in there. And the episode would be so incredibly long and it would be like damn near 10 minutes before we even got into the me starting the trip. And so what I started to do is I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to create separate 
episodes and call them prelude episodes. So you'll have like a prelude to the trip. And um, th- th- that's kind of how the uh, cadence of these episodes will be. It'll be like a like a, a, a prelude episode and then the trip episode and then the prelude for the next trip and then that next trip episode and, and so on and so forth. There's There are some exceptions to that, of course, but but that's generally how it's going to go. Um, and then I also have what I'm calling a, a um, what am I, what do I call it? Like an unpacking episode where there, you know, there's a couple of trips in here that are so amazingly freaking deep and heavy that I have to sit back and, and analyze it deeper and, and pull more meaning out of it. Um, and so there are uh, that concept of as well. That's kind of later in the season when we when we get into the these unpacking episodes. But that's generally how the structure of this podcast is going to be. So yeah, that's that's all really the the housekeeping kind of stuff that I need to mention before we start getting into my story. Okay, and you know I'm actually not going to have a prelude episode for my first trip episode because we're kind of in that right now. I mean, it d- doesn't really make a lot of sense to do an intro. And then another intro, right? So, and have that be, you know, two separate episodes. So, I'm just going to do it now. So, I I did a lot of research when I was going through one of the most terrible moments of my life. Um, I, I have been basically depressed my entire life. It runs in my family. Um, and on top of that, I am a nihilist or was a nihilist. Uh, I was steeped really deep into science uh, for for most of my life. For as long as I could read, I was reading science books and uh, just buried up to my ears in theoretical physics and this, that, and the other. And I could explain to you how the universe sprang forth from nothingness. It was just a quantum fluctuation and it cancels out to zero. And, and you know, just go look up inflation theory, y'all. And uh, it can mathematically and scientifically prove to you that we are a quantum fluctuation and that the universe started with one gram of material and negative gravity took hold and added the rest of the energy and matter in the universe. Blah, 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 blah. Go look it up, though. It's really interesting. It's cool stuff. But that, but that's where I was, y'all. I was, uh, I was a nihilist for, for most of my life. Uh, and, uh, and not the optimistic nihilism either. I mean, I, I don't know if y'all know what that is, but... Optimistic nihilism is kind of the the thought that you have this tiny dance with existence, so you got to make the most of it, right? So you're you're nothing for an eternity before you're born. Then you're born, you live for this tiny little sliver of existence, and then you're back to it, you know, eternal nothingness once you die. So you got to maximize the good, dance with something, and make it make the most of it, right? But that is a very Ah, gosh, fleeting and short-lived kind of mentality to 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 master. I mean, you can't really master that if you have no backstop of of any kind of belief in anything magical or or beyond the realm of science, something bigger than yourself. It's a very impossible mentality to hold on to. And y'all, once nihilism has you in that stranglehold, I mean, it starts to undermine everything in your life. To the extreme where you don't see the point in making a stance on anything. I mean, what's the point? We're all doomed, right? I mean, why should I get involved in politics? We're all doomed. There's no afterlife. There's no God. What's the point? Just keep your head down, shut up, live your life, and just be. 
for the tiny little amount of time that you're here. And, and that's where I was, y'all. I was, I was a, a hopeless, depressed nihilist for most of my life. And then again, um, a genetic predisposition to depression that runs in the family. And you throw on top of that a, a divorce that, that completely pulled the rug out from under me, and you just got a recipe for just misery, a perfect storm, if you will. And it was during that phase, you know, uh, I called it my post-divorce renaissance, where I was just going buck wild, y'all. I mean, that's one of the things, like, um, when you're when you're that depressed, you engage in escapism, you know, hedonistic escapism. And that doesn't make you feel good about yourself, uh, and so you do more escapism. And then that makes you feel worse, and then you keep doing the escapism, and it and you keep going down this spiral of depression further and further down into a self-made hell. And so and so that's where where I was. And my my divorce uh, was was you know not the worst, mind you. I didn't have like kids and stuff, but it was still a rug pulled out from under you moment. And uh again went buck wild, you know, had quote unquote fun, but again, hedonistic fun. And 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 so and the thing about that kind of fun is um, you can operate in your late teens, your 20s, and your early 30s having that kind of fun. And everyone that you know is like completely oblivious to the fact that you're going through some internal struggles. I mean, after all, hedonism is what young people do. So the, it's it's kind of a cloak of what's really going on behind the scenes. And, and I was in misery. When I when I look down and analyze myself and my current state, in misery, and it was you know I, I took a look in the mirror one day and I thought to myself like is this it is this what life is like it, it can't be this like I, surely I can get better and 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 feel proud of myself again, and right about that time is where I met my uh, my current fiance, and this woman y'all uh, changed my life. I mean I'm not going to go into everything here, but I mean, no, no one's perfect, right? But have you ever met someone who's like 99, 98% there? Like that, that's her. Uh, I, again, I could, I could go into details, but I'm, I'll spare you that for now. Um, she inspired me to get better and, and become a better person. And I was like, man, the, the clock is ticking here. Like if I don't get better and soon, you know, my true self is going to be exposed here and she's going to be like, what the hell is this? I am out. And so... I did research. I found psychedelics. Uh, you know, I, I saw other methods as well. I mean, there's like, you know, meditation and all this other stuff. I'm not brushing that off. I'm also not brushing off therapy, y'all. It's an essential thing. It should be one of the pillars. Um, you know, medication also should be... I mean, there's people out there, y'all, who truly need medication or they'll kill people, okay? Um, so I'm not I'm not saying that any of the, the or I'm not saying that psychedelics should be a stand-in for any of those right there should there should be pillars here right but but for me I had gone through all the therapies I've gone through so many SSRI medications throughout the years um, it, 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 nothing was really helping me and so I I found the promise of psychedelics to off to to basically you, you are your own therapist. In, in this regard, like you can't hide from yourself. Like there, there are things that you can hide from a therapist, right? But if you do psychedelics and you go deep enough in, 
it calls it out on the carpet and says, we are dealing this with this and we are dealing with it right now, whether you like it or not. And by the way, uh, that to me is what happens a lot on bad trips. Like people talk about, oh, bad trips are, you know, I don't like bad trips and I'm scared of bad trips and everything. And like, uh, you know, uh, there, there's some techniques that you can imply to, uh, get away from, divert away from bad trips and stuff. Well, well, guess what guys, my bad trips have been the most revelating. Uh, I don't know if that's a word <laughs> they, they, they revealed the most to me and I learned most from my bad trips because again, it's tough love. It's saying, Hey, you've been squashing this and hiding it for too long right now. Boom. We are bringing this out on the carpet, and you are dealing with it right now. And and oftentimes, y'all, you deal with it in an intense and brutal, um, in oh god, hellish uh, way. But you need it, and so you actually get the most out of that. But anyways, back to my point. It's the whole thing, the good and the bad. It's it's a it's a giant therapy session and the most amazing therapy session you can you can possibly imagine and it and you always for me at least always come out of it with something amazingly deep and profound about you or your relationships or the universe in general or any stuff like that 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 is that changes and it's not one of those things and I, I I'm sure we've all gotten like, uh, or not all, uh, not everyone drinks, right? But, um, you know, I think most people listening to this can remember a time where they gotten, they've gotten so drunk that the next morning or whatever, they're like, I'm never drinking again. And you really genuinely feel bad. And you're like, as of now, I am done for the rest of my life. Um, and you meant it. And maybe, maybe it's even lasted for a week or, or something. But I can tell you, the same kind of thing happens on psychedelics, but you stay with your conviction. It's amazing. Um, so, so yeah, um, that's that's what I saw and uh, through my research, and that's what I wanted to be a part of. I was like, I want all of that, and then some. I wanted to change fundamentally. No more hiding from from this stuff. And so that's what I did. I, I researched quickly found the promises that uh, ayahuasca in particular had to offer. Um, and, and so, guys, ayahuasca is one of the most powerful psychedelics known to man. It's called the death vine, and it's called that for a reason, because you usually feel like you're going to die. And guys, when I say that, uh, it, it's nothing to just kind of gloss over and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, if I do this, I'm going to feel like I'm going to die. Guys, it is terrifying like you die <laughs> it's no freaking joke no joke like don't do this for fun even with all that and i did all all the all kinds of research on on all that stuff too like all the horrifying and terrifying things that i'm going to encounter i researched it and i was i still was like yes i'm 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 so done being that old me y'all i'm so done and so uh, yeah, so I, I found a way to legally get all this, um, y you know, the, there are ways to get ayahuasca legally and the, the people who provide it to you, you know, you, you it's a very rigorous and, and, um, you know, strict kind of protocol to, to get accepted even. Right. And so 
you had to go through all these uh, all these hoops and loops and stuff to to get accepted and finally get it. And then, you know, I did my own research and found out that, um, you know, one of the things that they recommend is that you actually try mushrooms before you do ayahuasca. Uh, and, you know, you got to step your way into it. And so that's essentially what I did. Um, and then I noticed that I actually had a better reaction off of mushrooms than I did with ayahuasca. But that was in the beginning. That actually completely flip-flopped uh, later in my journey. And and ayahuasca now is is the, <laughs> I mean, reigning heavyweight, super heavyweight, infinite, infinity weight <laughs> champion of the universe, in my, in my opinion. But regardless, in the beginning, my uh, mushroom experiences were better than my ayahuasca experiences. And, and th- that's in large part to do with you have to kind of ramp yourself up with ayahuasca. Once you get everything dialed in, guys, believe me, it is wow, is all I can tell you. Like, wow. So yeah, throughout this podcast, I will do a, a mushroom trip, then an ayahuasca trip, then a mushroom trip, then an, I kind of iterate uh, between the two. And honestly, uh, if you go deep enough into either, you have very similar experiences. And so it was still con- a continuation of my path. Um, I, I'll go into the differences between a mushroom trip and an ayahuasca trip in these episodes. It's quite fascinating, the differences, but I, I shan't get into it now. This is already turning to, into a long enough episode here. I wanted to make it nice and quick and compact. I'm trying my best. And so, yeah, that was, that's how it happened. That's how it went down in terms of my research and discovery of, of, of how to even get started. And speaking about getting started, that's really what the first um, trip episode, which is coming up, is, is all about. It's my first experience on psychedelics, period. Like, I had never, before August of 2020, had ever done psychedelics at all, ever. And so, uh, I mean, I, I didn't even want to do psychedelics before that. And so, um, so yeah, that's what this first uh, trip episode is about. It's uh, a good friend of mine was having a 40th birthday party, and I had procured these mushrooms legally. Rem- re- just remember that, legally. So, yeah, my, my good friend was having a 40th birthday party, and another friend of mine at that party wanted to kind of guide me through my first mushroom experience. Um, he had done them before and was like, hey, you know, here's how you do it, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, okay, this, this seems like a good time to do my first trip. Let me tell you guys, it overall was an amazing experience. I mean, you'll hear it just, I mean, so freaking amazing. Oh, amazing. But I would not recommend doing mushrooms at a, at a big party. I mean, there was like 35 people. Only three of which, by the way, knew I was doing mushrooms. Uh, the rest of them, number one, were not doing mushrooms, but also didn't even know that I was doing them. So just a stupid idea right off the bat with that. But but also, like, the more people that you throw into the equation, the, the weirder things can become. Um, and I get into that. And, and like, you can, you can trigger into a bad trip, then it's not fun, and da-da-da. I'll get in that, into that in the episode as well. So that's kind of what this uh, first episode is about. It's it's my first dip your toe in the water kind of moment. It's really nothing more to explain than that, uh, per se. Um, now, as far as the overall structure of the podcast, so on the on the trip episodes, you'll get uh, an interview, which is, you know, the, the people interviewing me are two of my good friends, uh, both of whom are very scientifically and philosophically, 
you know, um, adept, right? And um, they now are kind of convinced that a lot of this stuff isn't just happening in my head, that it's happening for real. And uh, we'll get into all that too. But anyway, they are interviewing me. Um, and then I, I, I splice in the audio sound bites from in the moment while I'm having the trips. And, uh, and then I'll throw in, of course, music and sound effects too. And the whole idea is to give this like almost Martin Scorsese-esque like flow of, of like in the moment, you know, action and then, you know, music and stuff accompanying it. So, um, very cool stuff. I'm actually quite proud of the way it came out. I think it's really effective. Um, so what else to mention about the podcast? Um, well, so like each of the trips, they kind of build, uh, on each other from the last. So, uh, you know, anyone out there who's a veteran of, uh, psychedelic trips, you'll listen to the first trip episode and you'll be like, ah, oh, well, that's, that's not that friggin' crazy or intense. Well, well, duh. I mean, that, like I said, that's my dip your toe in the water. First time I've ever tripped before in my life. It's still very, very, very interesting stuff. But uh, for you veterans out there, it's really uh, episode or, or sorry, not episode trip number two, trip three, four, five. That's when it starts getting like, whoa, like, damn. And guys, by the time you like trip three is like, holy shit. And then trip four is like, what the hell? And then trip five, y'all, is is quite possibly the deepest subject matter you could ever even imagine. It is the deepest of deep, doesn't get any deeper, none deeper. And then uh, beyond that, uh, trip number six and, and seven, and, and so far I have eight trips that I'm going to unpack, and each trip, y'all, gets deeper and, and more intense. And y'all, it, it it is crazy stuff. Like when I tell you that there, at one point I'm dropped into hell and I'm having to fight off demons and pieces of my face are rotting off and I'm swallowing my teeth and my hands are broken because I'm fighting these demons. It, it, guys, it gets crazy. So yeah, that's all I got to say. So I love you all. If you stuck around this long to listen to me, just flap my gums and, you know, whatever, just, yeah, I love you. And, uh, hopefully you'll get something out of this podcast. If not, it'll at least be an entertaining ride. I promise you that. So let's, uh, let's jump in with trip one. 